Well, today, um, I have been jacked up all week, to be honest with you. Um, I was, um, I've spent a lot of time in prayer in the Word this week, um, an enormous amount of time in prayer in the Word. And what I thought I was going to share this morning, I thought I was going to continue in the Holy Spirit and being under the influence of the Spirit of God. And I was going to begin to talk about the manifestations of the Spirit, and I was going to begin to, to go into some areas of controversy in, in the body of Christ. And uh, the more I studied, the more the Lord had something else going on, the more the Lord kept, I mean, I could not put the message together. Although I had studied and I had everything ready, all day yesterday, I, I kept telling Karen, I have no clue what the Lord is doing. I, um, I, 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 I said, Lord, what are you doing? And I just still feel that there's something that the Lord is wanting to do um, profoundly today in our service that is probably different than the, what we think. Is anybody okay with that? And so um, earlier in the week, um, uh, Sarah Hughes had texted me a scripture, and uh, it was a scripture out of Numbers 22 and Numbers 23, and when she texted me the, I think she did this on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Tuesday, no, yeah, Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday, maybe. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah, election day. And when the text came through, I, I read it, and it just produced this something in my heart where it was like, ooh, that's good. That is good. It brought hope. It brought faith in God. And, um, and so I texted her back, and I said, hey, do you mind just giving a, short exhortation to the church Sunday morning with that scripture. And, uh, and it blew up from an, a short exhortation to really a message. So I don't know what we're going to do. I don't even know if she's, we have been contemplating whether just to do a short, short five-minute thing and then me share some things on my heart. And we still, be honest with you, don't even know this morning exactly wh where it's going to go. I just know God has put something in Sarah's heart that I believe God is wanting to bring to the church, and I'm planning on sharing some things afterwards, but it may not even go that way. <laughs> I'm telling you, God's jacked us, and it's, it has something to do with being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Are we being willing to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit even if you don't know what's going on? I could not, all day yesterday, could not put the message together for you today. God wasn't angry. He wasn't, it was just, it would not come together. I said, okay, so you're going to do something different. What are you going to do, Lord? He said, trust me. And so I'm, I'm good. I'm good with trusting the Lord. Anybody else? I think even my daughter Rebecca thought she's laughing at me. Was it a little crazy yesterday? When I was tr preparing the message, you heard me kind of saying, I don't know what God's doing. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I like your ball cap. There's a bird. So are you guys okay with being led by the Spirit of God? Good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let Sarah share some things that God put on her heart. And uh, I'm going to share a few things after her. And uh, let's just see where the Spirit of God takes us this morning. Anybody ready for a treasure hunt? Anybody ready to see what Jehovah Sneaky is going to do? Anybody willing to get outside the normal box of church? Anybody willing to do that? And be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? I believe that's what's going to happen today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each one of us right now. Holy Spirit, you're speaking, you're communicating, and we just say you are so good, and we love you. You're a good father. That's who you are. And so today, God, I know Sarah, she isn't even nervous because, Lord, you, she's put, you've put something inside of her. You're doing something. Lord, I pray for a spirit of brokenness. I pray, Father, for repentance. I pray, God, for you to do whatever you're wanting to do this morning. I feel like you're trying to change our paradigm, God, for us to see what you see. So, Lord, I pray for all of us that, Lord, we would see what you want us to see this morning. 
that we would hear what you want us to hear, that, Father, we would only do and say what you are doing and saying. You're welcome to interrupt us this morning. You're willing to ch- we're willing to let you change and to be you, to be almighty God, to be the influencer of this service. Now, Father, I pray for each individual that they would put all distraction aside, all criticalness of what they wanted to hear today. And we surrender today to you, God. Have your way. And I pray your blessing upon Sarah. Lord, as you just put this scripture in her heart, I thank you, God, that you're going to breathe life over it. And it's going to minister to each person in this room differently than it is the other. Because you're a good father. Because that's just who you are. And so, Lord, you know the needs that are represented in this room. And I pray that faith would rise up. And that you would do exactly that which you want to do today. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Everybody welcome Sarah to the house floor. Amen. Bless you. All right, where's Carmen? Did she leave? She's my timekeeper. <laughs> okay. Um, which one do you want me to go with? Okay. Um, so... I'm going to start from last Sunday, and I didn't even share this with Eric. Um, I was standing over there during worship time, and um, there was just something that I needed to break off in my heart. Um, I needed to, I've done it before, and I've done it many times, but I needed to forgive God for taking my um, my baby boy that I was supposed to have with Cole. And... <laughs> I went up to Chris. I'm like, we're supposed to trample on the devil. And it took all in me, because I'm a little nervous about making a scene, to not go, "Ah! I did it! (laughs) But I did it. And then I get home, and Brian goes, I'm leaving. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, This whole week has been messed up. Um, Started out with that. Start out with, I just sent a um, text to Eric thinking, oh, yeah, maybe that'll encourage him for the day. Whatever. I'm a mess. It's election day. My mind was going, holy cow, what are we going to do if Hillary gets in? What are we going to do if Trump gets in? What are we going to do if it's a tie and Obama stays for another four years? I'm like, this country's going to pot no matter what. Don't know what's going on, but Lord help us all. I was not at peace at all. Um, And to go through the week just real quick, on Wednesday I was working out. (laughs) I pulled a muscle in my calf and I couldn't walk for two days. Um, And so it was just a mess. This week was such a mess. And then um, it just kept, but it kept getting better. Um, There was peace in our house and it it was great. So anyhow, um, so I started out scared on Tuesday um, because I, was scared of who was going to become president. It didn't matter who became president. I was just scared. Um, so I, I sat down for quiet time. And I'm not the greatest person about sitting down for quiet time, but I did. And um, typically I go and study in Romans. But my Bible turned to Numbers. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess Eric's been talking a little bit about Moses and all that stuff. So, you know, Numbers continues on with that. So let's go into that. Um, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis. In Numbers um, 22, it talks about a story of Balaam and um, Balak, the king of the Moabites. Um, And Balak went to Balaam and said, hey, I I would like you to come over and put a curse on these Israelite camp because they're camped out next to me. And I'm a little nervous. I'm scared. said that in the Bible. I'm scared that they're going to trample us. So could you put a curse on them so they don't do that? Again, I was scared. Um, so it, it resonated with me. Um, Balaam, it says, was um, more of a wicked prophet, 
not false but wicked and so people knew him to put curses on people and so that's why he went to him um kind of like my week Balaam ran into some problems on his way to Balak um his donkey started talking to him I don't know about you but I'd be a little scared if I went outside and my chickens and my pigs started talking to me I swear they talked to Brian and he talks to them but whatever <laughs> side point <laughs> yeah, Dr. Doolittle, and then we have the little girl, Haley, that's Dr. Doolittle's daughter, but whatever. But anyhow, um, God really wanted Balaam to know that he only wanted him to say what God was going to tell him to say. So he made this donkey talk, and then he opened Balaam's eyes to see that there was an angel in front of him to make him understand, I'm serious, don't mess this up. Don't be doing anything I don't tell you not to do. Um, which was like, oh, well, if that's the case, God's going to wake us up and tell us what to do, maybe. Oh. <laughs> so we continue on. Balaam finally gets to Balak's camp, the Moabite camp, and um, and Numbers 23, 18 through 20, if you want to put that up, we read what Balaam says. He says, then he, which is Balaam, spoke his message. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He is blessed and I cannot change it. I was like, oh, wow. So... You know, looking back at the Israelites, did he not promise to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land? He did. It took a long time. It took 40 years. Um, I don't know about you, but I turn 40 tomorrow, and 40 years is a long time. I'm old. Um, I don't know that I'd want to wait that long. <laughs> um, and does he not change his mind? Um, I change my mind a lot. I'm a woman. <laughs> but... He doesn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind that he wasn't going to deliver the Israelites into the promised land. So anyhow, I was just like, oh, okay, well, that's really good, but is there more? So I kept reading, and um, my fear was starting to kind of subside. And I'm like, well, this is, this is getting really good, um, but are there other verses about being afraid? And I looked up um, Deuteronomy 31.6. And it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Oh, yeah, he won't lie and he won't change his mind. He's always there with us. He's going to keep us safe. By the way, Deuteronomy 31.6, Deuteronomy 31.8, Joshua 1.5, 1 Kings 8.5, 857, 1 Chronicles 28, 20, Psalms 94, 14, Isaiah 41, 17, Isaiah 42, 16, Hebrews 13, 5, all say the same thing as Hebrews 31, 6. I will never leave you or forsake you. It seems like it might be slightly important to God for us to know that we need to trust him. He's not going to leave us. He's not lying to us. He promised he'd be there. He'll be there. So then I kept on reading. I'm like, well, that's great and all, but um, I sin and I mess up. And, um, you know, God may not see me the right way, but I, you know, I'm very critical of myself always. You can ask Eric. <laughs> I go and I'm like, I suck at being a youth leader. Just, if you want somebody else, I am not offended. Please tell somebody else to be a youth leader. <laughs> He's like, no, you're, you're doing great. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. So I keep reading. Numbers 23, 21 through 26. It says, no misfortune is seen in Jacob. And this is Balaam again talking to Balak. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt, and they have strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob. No evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion. 
that does not rest until it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them nor bless them at all. I think he was getting a little scared. He's like, yeah, just don't say anything. Stop. And um, Balaam answered, did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? I mean, that's kind of like a boom, told you type thing. So anyhow, I read that. I was like, oh, wait. You mean God doesn't see the evil I've done in my past? He doesn't see what sometimes I go home and say about somebody. He only sees what I do for the good. I mean, he only sees that I'm actually a good person. And that kind of messed with me. I was like, oh, oh, wow. Um, maybe, maybe that should be how I see others. Um, kind of like Carmen's message this morning about thankfulness, not being so critical. Um, it really hit me. I started to get a real compassion back for the kids and youth and some other people that I've had a really critical spirit. I'm just being vulnerable with you right now. Um, and then somebody said something against someone else this week. And it hit me. I'm like, stop. I said, you don't know where they've been. You don't know what they're going through. But you also don't see what they just came to me the other night and presented. It was amazing. And it's falling right in, long, uh, right in line with what's going on in our church. And don't be critical. Just support that person. Don't bash them. Um, even though I've done the same thing. And so I've had to repent all week about, oh, God, please forgive me. Forgive me for being critical of my leaders. Forgive me for being critical of my kids and youth, of my own kids. I mean, a mom is sometimes really critical of her own kids because that looks bad on me. But really, what does it matter? God doesn't see that. God sees the best. I need to see the best in my kids. I mean, holy cow, my oldest one stands up here and is on the altar team. Wow. She's given prophecies to people that, wow. <laughs> I walked in a, in a labor room one day, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you're Hannah's mom. I'm like, yeah, I am. How do you know, Hannah? <laughs> she's like, she prophesied my labor and delivery is going to go okay. Things might happen, but this baby's going to live. Yeah, had you known what happened in that delivery, the doctor goes, there's no way this baby should be alive. The, there was a knot in the cord that was so tight that they couldn't even open. And... um. I'm like, wow, God, that's amazing. That is so amazing. Um, so then I start. Eric challenged me. He's like, um, sorry, this is going long. Is that okay? Okay. Um, Eric challenged me. He's like, so look back on your own life. I'm like, well, I think I need to look a little bit further. So real quick, why was America founded? Well, America was founded because they wanted religious freedom from the Catholic Church. So we came to America to find our religious freedoms. Now, there may be some scholars that say that the people that wrote the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence were atheists, but did they not say in our Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God? Does our money not say in God we trust? Somehow those atheists still knew that we needed a higher power, our God, to rule this nation, and without him, our country was going to falter. It made me go back and go, oh, yeah, God, you got it under control. Our nation's going to be okay. It doesn't matter who gets in power. You, you, you must have ordained this, even though we think that's nuts. <laughs> but you must have ordained this. So then I went back, and I started remembering some of the prophecies, because I hadn't written all of them down. But um, some of the prophecies in my life were... Um, I would have the fulfillment of my dreams of being a mom. Um, growing up, I was basically an only child, so I played a lot by myself, played with my dolls, dressed up my dog for a wedding. We had weddings every week. Um, but the desire was to get married and have children. And in high school, I had about three surgeries that made it next to impossible for me not to have children. The doctor said, don't, just don't ever get your hopes up. It's not going to happen. But I have three which was amazing. <laughs> he promised me, gave me a prophecy, and I will never forget. I can tell you exactly what I wore this Sunday. But my pastor and a visiting pastor called me up front and said, you're going to go to Africa. You've been wanting to go to Africa for a long time. I'm like, how did you know? Yeah, I do. I really want to go to Africa. It took five years for that dream to come true. But my senior year of college, I went to Africa for an entire month to study nursing and their culture. My dream came true with a prophecy. 
His promises never fail. He doesn't lie, and he doesn't change his mind. Um, Brian and I, two months before we got married, Dennis Kramer came to our hometown church. He prophesied over us that we'd be, we would be mighty man and woman of God used in ministry, and today we're youth leaders. It was also prophesied um, that I would prophesy over others, and Mike, seeing the good in me, <laughs> said the bad, has taken me out on um, some of his outings and allowed me to prophesy. And um, I'll never forget there was one day I gave a prophecy over this lady. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you except I see you in this purple-colored room with a little lamp on a little lamp or a little stand with a certain type of chair, and you live on this street. And she goes, that's exactly the street I live on, and that's exactly my prayer room. She goes, I need a confirmation that I was praying the right thing. Wow. God didn't lie. <laughs> he didn't change his mind. So um, just to kind of sum it up, um, God never leaves us. He never has. He didn't leave the Israelites. He hasn't left our country, even though we feel like maybe he has. But he hasn't. Um, He's never changing. He promises to be with us and do what he tells us that he said he would do. And it really doesn't matter who would have won on Tuesday because God is still in control. He doesn't see our evils. He doesn't see Donald Trump's evils. He doesn't see Hillary Clinton's evils. <laughs> um, he only sees the good in them. And we need to see the good in them and those that are around us always. He needs us to rise up like lions, lions, lionesses and lions. Um, holy cow, 80% of the evangelicals voted on Tuesday. Thank goodness. Um, so we're not failures. We need to look at ourselves as not failures. We need to look at others as not failures. People don't fail. They just sometimes have their own free will and choose to go a different way. But God can move it all back and work it into his will. Um, and that's it. Just look at everyone as God would have them look at them. My fear went away, and I ha no longer have fear because God is in control. Thank you, Sarah. Obviously, our nation is polarized at the current state where 50% of the people wanted somebody different. Isn't that funny? You're all laughing. I can hear it. Obviously, we are in a place as a nation where God is up to something, and he is in the middle of what is going on. Whether the election turned out the way you wanted it to or not, something that Sarah said that um, I think is true is she said it, um, I can't remember what exactly what she said, I should have wrote it down because then she kept going and I lost my train of thought like a squirrel. But she said something about that, that, that God is in this even if you don't think he is. And I want to read a scripture out of Acts, and I want to challenge us. This isn't just about the election. This is really about our lives, and it's about what's going on in our lives, and it's really about this whole theme that God has been speaking this morning about being thankful, and this theme of trusting in the sovereignty of our God and trusting in who He is. And I want to remind us out of Acts chapter 4 about the way God moves. Because in Acts chapter 4, I want to set the stage here on what God was doing. Jesus Christ had come. He had been crucified. He had resurrected. And they had, in Acts, they had went to the upper room and they were waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. 
the Holy Spirit came. He empowered them. Holy Spirit began to move in fire and power. And the Christian dome began to explode. And God was moving on the church in the book of Acts. Is that not true? And there was powerful, powerful things happening. And in Acts chapter 4, Psalms 2 is being quoted. And this is what is said in, in Acts chapter 4, verse, bear with me here, get my bifocals going. I can't see the verse. Sorry, guys. Verse 26. Verse 26. And he's quoting Psalms 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And the point that Psalms 2 is making a point, it says, why do the people rage and why do they plot in vain? The enemies of Christ, there was something going on when Herod and, and um, uh, when he plotted against Christ. I'm going to go somewhere with this. Lord, I just pray for your anointing upon what I'm about to say. Acts 4, 25 through 26, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. The point of this citation from Psalms chapter 2 is this thing of the plotting of Christ's enemies was in vain. The plotting of what they were doing was in vain. And why is the writer saying it was in vain? The next sentence begins, because, or for. And the explanation is basically now coming. He says, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, but both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. The enemies of Jesus rage in vain, and they plot in vain, is what they're saying here, is what he's saying. Because of their plotting, it was God had predestined Jesus Christ to die, had he not. He had predestined them to do it. What the enemies of Christ were doing is they thought they were winning by crucifying the Lord of glory, but, he was, they, but they were doing it in vain because they were actually pawns in the hands of God. They were actually accomplishing the purpose of heaven. But the enemies of our Christ thought they were actually doing something in their power and in their strength to destroy the king of glory, but in actuality, God was doing something through evil men. And here's what God has put in my heart about this whole election and what's going on, because there are many in our nation walking the streets, plotting and raging and all kinds of purpose. And I'm telling you, God is in the middle of this whole thing we are being set up by jehovah god in what is going on in our nation god is not surprised though we are 50 percent polarized with who we voted for trust me we are in the hands of almighty god telling you well the stage is being set there is something that god is doing in the spirit when i'm talking about we need to be carriers and we need to be walking in the under the influence of, of the holy spirit i'm telling you the stage is getting set for the body of christ <laughs> 
God in, in, God's enemies do not even get the satisfaction of saying, we frustrated your design and your plan. <laughs> the enemies of God are not frustrating God's plan right now. The enemies of God are not making the destiny of this nation and this world change. God's not up there going, oh gosh, i got to redo things. Oh, oh, this God elector, he didn't, she didn't get elected. Oh, now I've got to change my plans. I promise you, the government of God is advancing. <laughs> the government of heaven is advancing. And it's going to advance at the speed that you advance. Heaven is going to advance at the speed of we, of what we advance. At the speed of, I believe, Sarah's getting a revelation of, oh God, I've been critical. Of, of people like Eric, and I'm going, oh God, I have been critical of people. I've said bad things. I've thought bad thoughts. I have been so negative in my thinking. Forgive me. At the speed of God dealing with our hearts, is the speed by which God's government is coming to the earth. And I'm seeing a groundswell in the Spirit. I'm seeing people get a hold of things in the Spirit right now. I'm seeing people advance. I'm seeing that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, and people are getting some revelation. Not just in this church. Man, I'm telling you, there is a move of God's Spirit in the land. And if you're not feeling it and you're not experiencing it, I say it's time to get in. It's time to get ready. I want to remind us, as Sarah has shared about God is not a God, he is not a man that he should lie. I want to remind us of what God has even spoken over this church in the last year. I mean, even this week, I was meeting with Chris Hansen, and I brought out an old archive video of New Covenant from 2000. It was the video that we showed when we came into this building in 2000, <laughs> it was funny. I was thinner, and so were you guys. <laughs> I was a whole lot better looking back then, and so were you. And we, I, start, I played the video for Chris because I'm, I'm wanting to do a video in June of next year that just shows some of the history because we're going to hit 20 years as a church. And so I just want to do a video, and Chris has agreed to steward that video. So if you have pictures of videos from the past, there was one of you, Tara. Oh, it is hilarious. Tara was a youth in our youth ministry. Do you remember that girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just been a few years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw Chris Chase getting water baptized. There was all kinds of good things. Oh, yeah, yeah there, there was a few there. You know what Chris Hansen said about you? That's Ashley Brown? <laughs> that blonde chick? <laughs> yeah. But in that video, it talks about the prophetic destiny of this house. And it says, I'm raising up a radical. There's this prophetic word that's on the video. I will not take this city with thousands. I will not take this city with a multitude, but I will take this city with a Gideon's 300, says the Lord. And I'm doing a new thing in this land. I'm doing a new thing in this city. And I say, says the Lord, it's going to be like a youth movement. There's going to be a, lots of young people. There's going to be enough older people to stabilize the work, but it's going to be like a youth movement. And the Lord says, I'm going to change the spiritual landscape of this city. And he is a God. He is not a man that he should lie. <laughs> and I'm wanting to remind us of our prophetic destiny as a people, but I'm also wanting to remind you of your prophetic destiny as a people, that God has said some things over you, and he is not a God that he should lie. Can I have an amen on that? But just last October, Denny Kramer prophesied, and he said, get ready to be a greater voice in this community. He was saying that to this house. He said, get ready for articles to be written by you and about you. He said, get ready for a new way. He said, tell everybody in this house to, be re to get ready 
no dead weight, no lagging behind. I like that, getting rid of dead weight. 62 pounds and going. I don't think that's what he was saying, but that, w- there's, a prophetic, there's a prophetic similarity there, we'll say. Because I'm not going to lag behind, because one of the things God spoke to my heart was, Eric, when the revival hits, you're going to have to be in better shape so you can do the services and be a part of it. Because, as you'll see down here in a little other, it says get ready for some spontaneous gatherings. Get ready to call some solemn assemblies. Get ready for even your schedule of events and meetings will come as a surprise to you. That's called more meetings. It's called more long prayer lines. People being set free and people being delivered and people getting saved and people getting healed. Hello? Get ready for a group of believers in this house who will press into the purpose of God that he has called and destined us for. Get ready for the schools to be visited by God. Get ready for a move among students in this community. Get ready for the deadest denominational churches in town to be awakened as I visit them through my angels and through dreams and visions. Get ready. I have targeted Newcastle to be a hot spot for what I want to do, not only in Indiana, but also in the Midwest. I'm telling you what, that's been prophesied for years. Not only to here, but to Foursquare and to other churches in this community. That, that, that this is going to be a thing where God moves not just with this church, but with multiple churches in this community. That's why we believe in unity and working with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Get ready. There is a visitation coming. I'm going to visit you guys. I'm going to visit this house. I'm going to visit this place. So get ready. Get ready. They will pull in the front and they will fill the front parking lot. So get ready. Get ready. My visitation is coming, says the Lord. Now I want to take you back to Balaam and Balak. And what was Balaam, what did Balaam say to Balak? I will only say what the Lord tells me to say. And the Lord said to Balak, or to Balaam, am I not a man that I should lie? I do what I tell you I'm going to do. And I, there's something in me. There is this faith. It's like last night at prayer and worship. Man, there was just something on me and in me and, and moving through me. Man, there was faith. Man, we are on something. God is doing something. And I know he tells it to leaders and stuff first, but I know you guys are feeling it too. He is not a guy that, God that he should lie. I'm telling you, get ready. I don't know what get ready looks like for you, and I know maybe some of you are tired of hearing the get readies, but what does it mean for us to get ready? What does it mean to encourage people that there's no lagging behind? What does it mean to get on board? What does it mean to say, be a part of this? What does it mean to get ready? Is there something I have to do? Here's what I believe. A broken and contrite heart God will not despise. The Bible says, rend your heart, not your clothes. There's a work that the Spirit of God is wanting to do in our hearts. And I want to publicly say to you, we have been a critical bunch. We have judged one another. I have judged people in this house. I am so sorry. I have not looked at the gold. But I have looked at what is wrong rather than what is right. Not only in my children, but in my spiritual children. And I am so sorry. I realize that when we are in a family like this, we all make mistakes. And there is no doubt that we know we make mistakes. 
Every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Is that not true? But I want to remind you, it took me 25 years to lose 62 pounds. Because that's how long God was dealing with my heart. He was awfully patient. I've actually had people tell me, literally, I have a hard time listening to you preach because you're so fat. Because it's a critical spirit. They seen what was wrong with me rather than what was right with me. And we can all do that. Mike Brown could be preaching this morning. You could say, yeah, I remember 15 years ago he didn't pay that bill. I can't listen to him. That's not an example. I pulled that out of the woods, okay? (laughs) Sarah can be up here sharing, and you can find something about her life that you may not agree with. Very easy to do. Not because it's Sarah, but because we live in a culture of negativity and criticalness. You could be up here. Charlene can share her heart about all that's going on with the shop and how she needs our help. And you could nitpick her and say, yeah, well, if you did on this, this, and this different, you wouldn't be in that. Oh, yeah, right. And who died and made you God? You know what I'm saying? Were you there when God set the limitations of the ocean and said thus far and no more? Until you know the situation, how can we be? And I've done it. Has anybody else done it? Anybody else here with me? Wow, this is going different than I thought, Lord. Every one of us have done it and do it and wear it and eat it. And I'm declaring judgment. I am declaring judgment against a critical spirit. I'm declaring judgment against what's wrong. And I'm going to be one who's declaring what is right. I'm going to be one who declares what God is doing, not what God is not doing in somebody's life. I'm going to find out what God is moving and where he's moving, and I'm going to work where he works, not where I want him to work. Just to make my life easier. And this is so true. I have, this is how God has worked with me. 25 years losing weight and knowing I needed to lose weight. He, took it, he, he wasn't waiting on, uh, I wasn't waiting on him. He was waiting on me, yes. But it took time and God was patient with me and he loved me through that process. But the church is the, really the only organization that shoots its wounded. That shoots its ones that are hurting. It's like, wow, get it right. (laughs) Yeah, did you see the other side of that too? Instead of being a hand and saying, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Get up. Let me help you come out of the mire. Am I making any sense? Is God convicting anybody besides me in these last months? We were, sometimes we're micromanagers, trying to micromanage everybody else's life except our own. Wow. I guess we'll put that in our pipe and smoke it. It's a whole lot better than smoking a turkey. (laughs) I tried to, I know what he was talking about. (laughs) Mike got it. Oh, okay. So what is God doing? Lord, have me pull this out this morning. Anybody know what that is? We had to get that for our car back in October of 2013. Why did we have to get that for our car? What did God do? What did God do? (laughs) 
Was it because of Joel's performance? Was it because Joel deserved it? I see a man up in the sound booth. Fifteen years ago, Chris Hansen comes to this church with a bag of tricks. He had more metal in his body. <laughs> he had more metal on his body. He had horns coming out of his nose, his mouth, his ears, his parts of his body that I'd ever even seen. And we called him Tackle Box because he looked like he had lures all over his face. But he is a different man. I look out at you guys and I say, wow, what God has done. He has changed our hearts. He has changed our ways. He's changed our thinking. And there's a whole lot more he wants to change. Uh-huh. But why do we focus on that? Let's celebrate what the Lord is doing. Let's celebrate what God is doing in our hearts, not what he's not doing. Does that make any sense? Stand up with me. I'm under the influence. I know this isn't a conventional service. But I'm telling you, he has anointed us to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to deliver the captives. If we could have a little bit of music. How many love music? We're going to have the altar team up here. And if you need prayer, we want you to have the opportunity to pray. will lay hands on you if you're here today and you don't know Christ. The Lord is here to knock on your heart and to draw you into Him. And I realize that today most of the people in this house are right now, they're saved, they're born again. But in Revelations chapter 3, John is writing as he sees many things in the Spirit and he hears the Lord say, I am here. I'm here. And the Lord said, I stand at the door and I knock. I stand at the door of your heart, church, and I'm knocking. I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus was not talking to the unsaved. He was talking to the Laodicean church who was lukewarm and apathetic. And he was talking to them. And he was saying, I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. And I believe right now that the Spirit of God is knocking on our hearts. And I believe that there, there is coming a, a wave, if you might say, in the, in, the, in the today and in the weeks to come. I really sense that the Lord is going to pour out some godly sorrow and some repentance and some surrendering to the Lord. I, I even believe this message of the critical spirit uh, uh, as I've repented and continue to repent, I believe God is wanting to really begin to bring a heaviness to our hearts and convict us so that we will repent and we will turn from and be, have our minds renewed by His presence. And I just believe today that 
I just want to open the altars. I want you to do business with the Lord. If God is dealing with your heart in any area this morning, I really just want, if, we, if, you, if you kneel at the altar, we will leave you alone. We'll allow the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do. But if you want prayer, the altar team is going to be over here to your left, and they'll pray with you if there's something you need or if you're here and you don't know Christ, but you feel the Lord on your heart and you need prayer, we want to pray with you. But every one of you, I want to ask, how is the Spirit of God dealing with your heart right now? What is the Spirit of God saying to you? Have you been angry? Have you been critical? Are you mad at people? Are you overwhelmed? Do you feel all kinds of pressure? What's going on? Because God is a God that he should not lie. And he will do exactly what he said he will do. And he says, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to meet you. I'm here to convict you. I'm here to challenge you. And will you allow the Spirit of God to deal with your heart today? If you desire to come up and kneel before the Lord, feel free. If you want to kneel at your chair, if you want to leave, you can leave. No pressure. If you want prayer, if I could have the altar team go ahead and come up right now. We're going to turn up the music a little louder. If you want to take your conversation out in the foyer, please take your conversation out there. But if the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart, I'm just asking you to do business with Holy Spirit right now. Because God is amazing. God is amazing. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Father, convict our hearts. Lord, challenge us. Lord, we surrender all of our ways to you today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us and that you would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name.